Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Reaction, man, to the news. What are you thinking? Uh, you know, it's the business side of it. I understand that. It, uh, it sucks at the moment, but it's just because the guys I'm leaving back, the, the, the relationships I've built over these past couple years, and just like walking into this facility every day is going to be different, so going to a different one, but I'm excited about the new journey that I have for me and for me and my family, so I'm looking forward to it. Bradley Chubb on his way out of Denver, even though the Broncos won on Sunday to get to 3-5. and five. They got an offer they wouldn't refuse. Not that they couldn't, they wouldn't, and they move him to the Miami Dolphins. We'll be talking about that and all of the other moves that happened on deadline day. For a change. Pretty good one. It was an active final day. There was a the thought there wasn't going to be much that happened because so many trades already had occurred and also when you get down to that last day and the clock is ticking and you get stubborn type a alpha personalities one team wants this one team wants that who's going to be the one to blink who's going to be perceived as being the weak party here because the teams will do transactions in the future it's all part of a broader body of work So you never want to be perceived as somebody who gives up too much, who doesn't do a good deal, because then other teams start coming around. Hey, hey, he does a bad deal. Let's do a deal with him. So it's all part of the dynamics that usually keep deadline day from being a big deal. Yesterday, for a change, Chris, it was. And with that, I say good morning to you. Good morning to you, sir. Hello. Yeah, it was. It was fun. I mean, it really was. I wasn't expecting it. I was kind of sitting around watching football, you know, watching film, doing what I usually do. I'm Ron Jaworski, right? And just, you know, it was was cool to kind of see the news break throughout the day. And I think that the cool thing to me too, Mike, was the the fact of, um, you know, not only did we have teams that we look at and go, wait, they're good. And they're making moves because they, they want to, you know, establish themselves as an elite team and make a Super Bowl run. 
I thought it was cool in the fact of like teams like Pittsburgh and Chicago making moves really for next year to set their team up for success for next year, get a bargain or address a positional need now. That was rare. So that was uh, kind of a, a curveball that, that added a few more names and a, a little more drama to the whole sequence yesterday. That Pittsburgh-Chicago trade was the most fascinating one to me. We'll get to that. We'll get to right. all the big ones. Calvin Ridley next year. But, yeah, I mean, just all of it. That was that was out of out of blue, field. out of nowhere, right? Right. I know. I didn't hear anything about that. I was shocked when I saw that go down. So uh, we'll get to it. But first, we say good morning to everyone out there watching PFT Live. That is the show. It's presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at Google Store. Dot com. It dawned on me. Did you have to look down for that down. for a second? Did you have to look down and go like, wait, it's Google Pixel? Like it looked like you had it like you forgot for a second. It just looked like that. As I was sitting down this morning <laughs> to begin the show, I realized I never identify us. I assume that anyone out there who cares to watch knows by now who we are. But in the event you just stumbled over the program and wondering, who are these two idiots? He's Chris Sims. I'm Mike Florio. And we're available on Peacock, Series XM85, Sky Sports NFL in the UK, Ireland, all of the cities and towns. We're not supposed to mention London anymore because then the people in the towns that aren't London get upset. So it's a blanket hello to them I, and a blanket hello to anyone listening on the podcast. Yeah. I know that we used to randomly throw out names. I know, yeah. We, you know, yeah, we British used to give cities. them all. Right, I know. We probably should continue that. I heard, yeah, I, I was happy to hear that. One got past the goalie yesterday uh, and Sky yes. Sports. That was, was great. Yeah, he I shoots, he scores. Woo, yes. Yeah. I'm up one nothing this week. So that's what we should do. We kind of have a game about our swearing, and we'll keep score for whoever gets through you know, without getting bleeped on Sky Sports. We, we win, we win yeah. the week. You get a prize. And the, the, the winner gets fired. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the Glen Gary, Glenn Ross model turned upside down. The, the loser gets a set of steak knives and the winner gets fired. All right. Uh, let's get to some of these trades. Yeah. Let's start with Bradley Chubb. Traded by the Broncos to the Miami Dolphins for a first-round pick that the Dolphins acquired as part of the deal that allowed the 49ers to go from 12-3 to to get, ultimately, quarterback Trey Lance two drafts ago. The way this was being postured by the Broncos, and this is all part of getting the best possible deal you can. On Sunday, Shefty's saying, well, if they lose, they're going to trade Chubb, and if they win, they may just sign him to an extension. And that just sounded like a dumbass way of doing business. Like, if this is a foundational piece, it shouldn't matter whether you're two and six or three and five. No, it's or about five the future. Right. If you want him, you sign him, you keep him. If you don't want him, you move him, and you get something in return. And this kind of had, to me, shades of the Khalil Mack trade. The, 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 the A.J. Brown deal, you drafted a guy who became a winning lottery ticket. Every draft pick is a lottery ticket. You scratched it off. It was a winner. You don't trade it in for another lottery ticket or two or three. You, you keep the one that was a winner because there's no guarantee the other one's going to be a winner. That's what confounded me about this. But new regime in Denver that didn't draft Bradley Chubb, I think deep down, and this was the message that, 
I ultimately gleaned from the mixed signals that were coming from the Broncos. They just decided he wasn't part of their future. Yeah, that's so right. So they played it coy, played it cool, right. and got a deal that, that gave them, number one, a first-round pick, and number two, number two, a guy who comes in now to the offense and helps make it better in Chase Edmonds. I think that was important to Coach Nathaniel Hackett. He didn't care about diluting the defense. He just wants to make the offense better because he's getting judged, Chris, based on the offense, not the defense. Yeah, definitely. that was a piece that was needed. I thought it was curious from the get-go that that Bradley Chubb's name was in the trade conversations. When you heard it about, what was that, 10 days ago, that he might be available to get? You know, so that, that When you hear that with that type of player who's a very talented but at the same time, going to probably command a huge price tag at the end of the year, and at the same time has been, I don't know what hurt a lot, right, Mike? I mean, three out of the last four years have been injury plagued, so he's had to deal with that too. And I think that's where they probably looked at it like, I'm not sure we want to spend big money. You know, yeah, there's the pressure that we draft him as an organization, but he's not really our guy. We didn't draft him as far as the current regime that's in there. I think you know they played it. They played it just right as far as being coy. And then, oh, yeah, we might keep him still because, hey, he's a good player, and we all agree he's a good player. Uh, but there comes the Miami Dolphins who, you know, I, I think, again, are looking at it right now going, wait, you know, playoffs, hey, yeah, we certainly look at it that way. But we're a team, I, I think they're looking at it going, wait, we think we can get to the Super Bowl this year and make a move like that. And they're another team like Philadelphia that we talk about, Mike, you know, last week with their great moves and, and, and getting Robert Quinn where you just go, not many weaknesses on the football team. That's for sure. You know, the old line, we know it's not great, but it's getting better. I mean, it is. Defensive line is really good. There was just one issue, and, and, and it is pass rusher. You know, they have Jalen Phillips. He's their only really blue-chip pass rusher. So now you add this guy to it. And now maybe they don't have to be as crazy on defense, Mike. They're too talented to be letting up some of the points and yards they're letting up on a weekly basis. Now we can just rush with four and play with these guys in the back end a little bit differently. And I think that's maybe the beauty of this whole trade, at least for the Miami Dolphins and their perspective. Chubb played 18, ga 18 games, 16 games, 18 games is coming, 16 games as a rookie, only four in 2019, yeah. 14 in 2020, limited to seven out of 17 last year, and okay, he's played yep. and started every game right. this year, and he has, I'm looking for So two out of three, I was here. wrong. I said three out of four, my it, bad there. Yeah. He has five and a half sacks in eight games this year. His career high was 12 as a rookie. From the Dolphins' perspective, right. because we wrote Monday night the two teams that had percolated as the most strongly linked to Chubb were the Dolphins and the Rams. Yeah. If the Dolphins hadn't come back and beaten the Lions on Sunday and had fallen to four and four, you wonder whether or not they do it. I think for the, the teams that make the move, that record after eight games is more important than the team that's already decided to move on from the guy who was the piece of the puzzle in the past and they're ready to flip him for assets in the future. It's an interesting exercise yeah, in right. what would have happened with Chubb if the right. Dolphins had lost that game because it could have been. And there was a report yesterday from Albert Breer of SI.com that the Rams had offered their next two first-round picks, F them picks, 2024-2025, to the Panthers for Brian Burns. You'll wonder whether or not there would have been a package from the Rams to the Broncos for Bradley Chubb to replace Von Miller 
because they've missed Von Miller Definitely. in L.A. Uh, so maybe that's where where Chubb would have gone if the Dolphins had, had lost to the Lions on Sunday. But, yeah, the Dolphins going all in, hoping to get more out of Jalen Phillips, hoping to get more sacks. They haven't had many at all this no, that's year. The, the offense is great. Right. you got to have some balance. You've got to have some balance. And the Dolphins are out of whack right now. They give up way too many points. They just score enough points that it hasn't kept them from from having – Chris, a, a winning record. And again, I mentioned that Chase Edmonds going back to Denver as part of this trade. The, Nathaniel Hackett spoke with reporters yesterday before the trade went down. And when you look at his words after the fact, it's obvious, number one, he doesn't care about losing Bradley Chubb. Number two, he cares about having the best possible players on the field on offense so they can perform better offensively. And again, if he survives this year, it's going to be because, be because he fixed the offense, not because the defense rose up and and help the team win games now no the defense is still on the show right now i mean yeah having a great having a great defense helps your offense by way of turnovers and field position and you know just keeping the other team off the scoreboard so you have less stress on your offense but still i think hackett from his perspective i get i I get chase edmonds uh so that's good that's good off we go. If, if we had decided we weren't going to keep Bradley Chubb beyond this year anyway, and I get Chase Edmonds now, so be it. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I think I, I think so. You know, and the defense has a lot of big time pieces already. They got some contracts down the line. You know, they can't pay everybody. They just paid Russell Wilson. You know, they got some other receivers, DBs that are going to be you know coming up here soon. And they decide, wait, this is an area we're gonna we're gonna cut the cord. They got a guy in Barrett Browning who looks like, by all due accounts, he might be the next superstar pass rusher from Denver anyways. So, you know, that that's maybe where they look at it as well, going, wait, we got a guy that's kind of special here and our defense is already good, you know. So, so I think they're just trying to balance this all together, let alone like you're talking about. Yeah, one more egg in the offensive basket. The run game obviously is critical for the Denver Broncos right now. With the way Russell Wilson's playing, I know they won the other day. But, damn, Mike, you watch the game. I watch the game. You know, Orlovsky and, and, uh, and, and um, Lewis Reddick did a great job. Yeah, they did a great job a bunch of times going, like, I, I, I don't understand what Russell Wilson's looking at. This is He's wide open. This is definitely the first read. We've all been a part of football. So that's got to still be concerning. And then no Javante Williams. And then Melvin Gordon's out of the trust tree because of fumble issues all the time. And Latavius Murray's on his last leg. So they didn't have a guy that not only can run and be explosive, but Edmonds is great out of the backfield in the pass game too. He can kind of fit that Aaron Jones role that Nathaniel Hackett had up in Green Bay. I think that's where it makes sense and it you know, helps out Russell Wilson like we talked about. And two, Chase Edmonds, I don't think is the Dolphins realize they're kind of running back. It's just not their kind of guy. You know, the Dolphins are – they have a different – like a Jeff Wilson. They want Mostert, Wilson, put your foot in the ground, run a million miles per hour, you're faster than everybody on the field. Edmonds is a little bit change of direction guy, stops, moves, and those aren't the kind of running back Shanahan and, and the Lafleurs and, uh, you know, usually Mike McDaniel like uh, as far as running their system as much. And that's what the Dolphins ultimately did to replace Chase Edmonds. They traded for Jeff Wilson Jr., a name that emerged on – the trade grapevine after the 49ers acquired Christian McCaffrey. So Jeff Wilson Jr. becomes a guy they don't need. Mike McDaniel, the coach in Miami, knows Wilson from his time with the 49ers. It all makes sense, and they replace Chase Admins 
through that route. A name that we talked about yesterday, Naheem Hines. Yeah. Colts running back. Guy who's been there since 2018, had gotten a contract extension. They always wanted to use him more than they did, but they never quite have. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. He ultimately goes to the Bills. That was one of the teams we talked about, and I expressed confusion because you've got Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, and James Cook. Why do you need... Naheem Hines, well, if one of those three running backs is going back to the Colts as part of this transaction, then it makes sense. Hines takes the place of Zach Moss. That's basically the deal, along with the conditional sixth-round pick that goes to the Colts for Naheem Hines. So it's just a couple of different styles That's right. that get swapped out here. And the Bills have a guy who's a little more dynamic, a guy who can do a little more in space, a guy who can get, get you help maybe in the return game if you need it. And the the Colts get more of a true backup to Jonathan Taylor. That's, That's right. my assessment. Yeah, I, I think you're you're exactly right, and and you're, you're you're going right down the right road there, right? And and how you explained what the Bills want a guy in space, right? That's how they play football, anyways. He makes sense. I think they probably looked at it and were like, wait, we're not really a Zach Moss sledgehammer run type of football team, anyways. So this is protecting who they are, at least in, in my assessment, Mike. I, I think you're, you're kind of saying it the right way. He's just like Devin Singletary. So, yeah, he's that skill set. I know we both like uh, Cook um, as far as James Cook and what he can do. But I also think he's not totally in the trust tree up there either as far as, like, he's young. Because, you know, things I've heard early, late in training camp, you know, can you trust them in pass protection and to know all those type of things? You know, I think those are because you read their coverage the right way on a big third and four and do the right thing as far as having an option route out of the backfield. I would bet you that's the issue with um, James Cook and as far as why they're just looking for a guy. Hey, it's it's getting down the end here. We're a Super Bowl team. Let's not you know, throw the, the season out the door on a rookie running back who's still learning his way and figuring out rules of the offense here. So I think it gives him a little flexibility in case Singletary gets hurt and just another guy to add to the to the room anyways that fits the mold of how they want to play football up there in Buffalo. Hey, what happened is first touch of the regular right, season. Out of the he trust fumbled. tree. Right, right. He exactly. Fumbled. Yeah. And the the formula for running backs, because this dawned on me God, almost 20 years ago when I used to go to all of the West Virginia University games every week, every year, there was another guy that was a 1,000-yard rusher. And it's right. like, you know what? Most of these teams at the college level have that guy. Yeah. And most of those guys can make it at the next level if, if you block for them, if you can trust them to hold on to the football, and if you can trust them in pass protection. Yeah. Those are... The three ingredients, and James Cook has to prove he's worthy of being trusted with the football and being right. trusted in pass protection. And there's too much riding on this season exactly, for the Bills right. to roll the dice on a guy who's still 
wet behind the ears, or as I think you once said, wet behind the years. Years, right. I think, right. You said I, think that I did, too. Point. I did, yes. I That's an old right. school. That's an old school Simsism. <laughs> um, let's flip it to a trade that we touched on briefly. The Bears and the Steelers mm. doing some business, sending Chase Claypool, a guy who was phenomenal as a rookie. Yeah. Phenomenal. Double-digit touchdowns, great plays, some some not tongue-in-cheek Randy Moss comparisons his first year. Yeah. Fallen off since then, and it's not quite, quite clear. And, and you know, I, I remember, Chris, that Jerry Dulac, I think, of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette made a comment like this. I think it bubbled up on the team's official website. One of the writers there made an offhand remark about Claypool having a diva quotient. Yeah, right. And at the time, I was like, what are you talking about? Where, where, where have we seen this? But you know what? You know what we've seen before with Pittsburgh? Yeah. We've seen Mike Tomlin keep a guy who may be inclined to be a little diva-ish right, on right. the right track for a period of years. And then here comes Antonio Brown, and we're like, well, why didn't we know about this for most of his time with the Steelers? Well, because Mike Tomlin does a pretty good job in nipping that stuff in the bud. So Chase Claypool, now out from under Mike Tomlin, traded to the Chicago Bears for a second-round pick. A lot of questions. And as you said earlier, this isn't about the Bears getting better now. Yeah. This is the Bears laying the foundation for next year when the division is going to be wide open. And Claypool, with a full offseason to get acclimated, maybe a new contract, he's a guy that could be exactly what Justin Fields needs to rev up the passing game if they can get him to play like he did in 2020, not the way he's played more recently, assuming it's him yeah. and not just a dysfunctional offense that can't get him the football. I, I think it's more that than anything. I don't look at the film and go, oh, Chase Claypool fell off. Like, I still look at him just like I think Bill Belichick when he made the comments about him, right, about three or four weeks ago, where you go, the guy's kind of amazing. He's a kind of a physical freak, and he's rare in the size-speed combination. He's built almost like a DK Metcalf. I think people would be astounded if they saw Chase Claypool in person. You'd go, oh, wow. Immaturity issues. That hey, He didn't get on the field in Notre Dame at receiver until really his last year there. You know, we've had a few issues here with Pittsburgh, too, where, you know, one, he got in the fight right in the offseason. He had a few times where he kind of spoke up about, hey, I'm talking to guys on other teams, right? If I remember correctly, they're saying practice is easier. They don't hit as much. He wanted said, music. Wanted right. music. Remember he said he was, a few things yeah. that he stepped out of line that just that ain't going to fly in Pittsburgh. And I think he's got he's going to have to learn and continue to mature that way. But, I, Mike, I, I think what you're saying about him physically still holds true. And then I think you couple that with Mo Darnell Mooney in Chicago and Justin Fields in that running game, and you almost get a little bit of a Philadelphia combination with the Eagles where you go, wait, wait, they run the ball like this, and Justin Fields can keep it. Oh, my gosh, we got to add another guy in there. And all of a sudden you look up and you go, wait, it's one-on-one, -on -one and they're press, you know, they're, they're jamming A.J. Brown at the line of scrimmage. Oh, wait, but I got Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney. Why? Watch out. So that's where I like it. And I think they do it too, Mike, because like you said, it gives them a little time here, learn the offense. It's all about next year. And you look at it too, like we always you're, – you're the master at saying this. You just said it already in the show. Like it's a proven commodity. It, it's You know, so, all right, this guy was available. It wasn't a huge price to get for a guy that I think a lot of people look at and go, he could be a superstar in football. 
and you can go, well, yeah, we had a second-round pick, but there's no guarantee any second-round pick's going to end up looking like this guy. And I think that's where you just you ensure yourself a, a for-sure commodity for next year. Not like, oh, we got a pick and we hope it works out. You can go, wait, we got it. We got our pick. It's already done. We're good at receiver. We've already addressed it, and now we can play our with our other you know chess pieces as far as what we want to do everywhere else. The reality, though, is he is going to want to be paid at some point. Yeah, he comes that's out right, for Mike. a second contract after this regular season ends. He made a comment in the offseason that he knows he's one of the best three receivers in football. Now, he's going to have to prove it yeah. if he wants to get $25, $26, 27000000 million a year, and maybe he'll decide that it's in his best interest to have a full year in Chicago and get a contract at some point during 2023 if he can come out and be the guy that the Bears think he will be by giving up that second-round pick. And there were some contradicting and conflicting reports from the folks who chased these details obsessively yesterday about which second-round pick it was. Oh, was got you. Right, I saw that. came from Baltimore for Roquan Smith. Was it the second-round pick the Bears already held? It was the second-round pick the Bears already held because that, Chris, was the difference maker. The Packers were in this, but the Steelers ultimately decided at the end of the day, we think the Bears' second-round pick is going to be higher than the Packers, so we'll take the Bears' second-round pick. Now, now, it's possible the Packers just that, went that, through the motions to placate 12. Agreed. Because I, I'd like to think if they really wanted this guy, they'd have found a way to get him. And maybe this is part of the deadline dynamic where there isn't enough time to be creative. But – if you're the Packers, you could have come up with something to address that concern and make your offer just a little better. Or just the draft pick with a player or something. You could have done something right. to spice it up. Something. If right. you really wanted him, right. if you really wanted him, you could have done something. I just feel like the Packers do this yeah. half-hearted, half-assed effort to try right. to get a receiver so they can say to Aaron Rodgers with a straight face, at least we tried. The the Bart Simpson cake gif, at least you tried as the cake goes into the trash can. I feel like that's what the Packers do to maintain their grift on Aaron Rodgers, that they're actually trying to make the team better at a position that's pretty important to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you if you would have like made me bet money, and I mean, I I you know, I wish I would have said it on air. Uh, I I said this to friends. So I, I guarantee, if you you would have asked me yesterday about the backers, I would have gone, "Oh, there's going to be a bunch of rumors about them <laughs> closely getting involved here for a trade, but it won't happen." I mean, I mean, no, no crap, Sherlock. All right. I mean, yeah. I mean, exactly. Mike, it's the first thing I thought of. It was just like, what, did they really attack it? Do they really want him? Or it was just this, you know, propaganda to keep everything peaceful there in Green Bay. Um, so uh, I, I don't know what to think of it either. But he certainly would have helped out their chances. There's no question. You know, it's a talented guy. I and mean, you start to get a guy like him and Dobbs and, you know, Christian Watson on the field. You got something not only like right now, but something for the future. But so what? Now they got to deal with him. Now they have to cover him and deal with them in Chicago the next few years. And it's, I think, a great match for them. Chicago, they got that great Notre Dame fan base there. I think he'll be accepted right away. It's right down the road. I just think there's a lot of things that make sense for the style of play Chicago wants to play. Running quarterback, hey, speed sweeps and reverses off that with this guy. We know he's good in that department, too. So way to go, uh, Ryan Poles and the Bears and making a big move there to help Justin Fields.
it can make for a very dynamic offense in Chicago with Herbert and Armstrong. Right. I mean, Montgomery. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of stuff they can, there's Cole they can do there. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the Packers, back to the draft. Right. When the Steelers picked up George Pickens and Calvin Austin, mm-hmm. that's when we started saying the Packers should try to get Chase Claypool because right. they weren't going to pay him. They paid Deontay Johnson. They got George Pickens. They've made the receiver position like the linebacker position was, the pass rusher spot 30 years ago where guy would leave as a free agent and there'd be somebody else who'd get double-digit sacks. And then that guy would leave as a free agent and somebody else would get double-digit sacks. They've shown they can do that at the receiver position. They have cracked the code. They have institutional expertise on finding great receivers in the draft they in do. any round. Yeah. So why do you want to pay a bunch of money to chase Claypool when you could just go out and replace him, especially if for whatever reason it's not going to work the way that it was during his rookie year for whatever the cause, whatever the 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 core concern. And I want to go back to something you said earlier about the Patriots. Yeah. And I don't want the Patriots or the Packers. The Patriots. Okay. I want to say something you said about the Patriots. You said Belichick yeah, praising yeah. him. Yeah. Right. Because I and and I don't. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, how the sausage gets made, how people get their information. I think, based upon the way this all fell together yesterday, I think the Patriots were in it up until the end. I do. I have reason to believe the Patriots were in it up until the very end. Right. Which would, which would validate what, what, what you had said. Right, what, what Bel- Belichick, Belichick said was saying about, about Claypool. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's, yeah. he's one of those... He's one of those rare guys, you know, that uh, weapon, like we're talking about, you know, good route runner, incredible size, can beat you with just this pure explosion and route running. And then he's another one of those guys, Mike, that we've talked about. Like, even when he's covered, he's just not covered. I mean, we showed some some package plays on that highlight package where – you know, it's just he that's where he made a name for himself that first year where we were like, holy cow, this guy was all over him. And Big Ben just threw it up in an area and he went and grabbed it with his hands and unbelievable that way. So that, that's there's great value in that type of football player. You know, that's the get out of jail free card for a quarterback. Oh, wait, I'm not sure what they're doing here, but this guy's one on one with somebody. And yeah, he's kind of covered, but I'm going to put it in the spot. He gets it or nobody gets it. And that's where he really thrives, and that's he's got great value that way. I mean, this play, we've seen so many of these type of plays right here from this guy, back shoulder, unreal catch, jump up, get it, and then you know, hopefully he gets more opportunities now in Chicago. That's interesting, Mike, with the your your little nugget there in uh, New England. And, you know, honestly, not shocked to hear it, you know, for a second-round pick and the way Belichick gushed about him. It didn't sound like it was fake or, or you know, not real – support for the guy and his talents it is going to take some polish though to get Claypool to where he needs to yeah. be there were some boneheaded moves remember the Thursday night game oh, last year against the Vikings right trying to drive at erase the there huge deficit and, right and he celebrates a first down while the clock is ticking yeah, that you're was like, the big talking point the morning after yeah. yeah come on man right so and and I I want to go back to that that, because we don't know, because we never seen him play in the NFL for anybody but Mike Tomlin. We yeah. don't know how much Tomlin has kept him from becoming full-blown pain in the ass. Right. That that's that's something the Bears may find out the hard way. We'll see. Yep. But he's also a couple of years older. He's maturing. He at some level has to look at this as I was run out of town by the team that drafted me. I now, think so too. May, right. 
he may be able to say it's a them problem, not a me problem. But at some point, if he truly wants to be the guy that he thinks he can be, he's got to look inwardly. He's got to make some changes. He's got to do some things the right way, and he can become a star. He's got the skills to become a star, and we're both hoping that he does. Yeah, that's right. I, I think you said it. And, yeah, yeah hopefully he, he takes this as, like, you know, strike one. You know, not, not the fact that it was a, a failure there. He was good this year. He hasn't said anything or been a distraction this year. But you, know, you, you said it right. There's been a little of these issues, not only in Notre Dame, but here in Pittsburgh, a young guy you know, from Canada. Uh, I think, yeah, he's a uh, lot of things. Getting used to the American way of life, sports, everything that way, but definitely has to mature. And hopefully he realizes that, yeah, you don't get too many of these opportunities before word starts to spread. You know, you act like a jerk on your second team. It starts to become, oh, gosh, I don't want to pay that guy. I don't want to have him on our team and deal with him because he's a pain. And then your reputation, it's like that forever, and you can't change it. So that's why he's got to be careful. The Vikings got the day rolling because it was around noon. Nothing had happened yet. Are we going to – come on. Are we going to do anything? Is it over? Are we just going to watch the clock tick toward 4 p.m. Eastern without any additional trades? And there had been some noise about T.J. Hawkinson being traded by the Lions. He's in his fourth year. They've picked up the fifth-year option, almost $10 million. The Vikings inherit that fully guaranteed salary, but the Vikings swoop in an intra-division deal. Whoa! They're not unprecedented. The Vikings and the Lions have done business in the past, but they're doing business here, and here we are. Here we are. You know what? Hey, they they did they did the trade back on draft day that allowed the Lions to move up to get the fast from Alabama. I'm not going to just make up a name like others would do and act like I know what I'm talking about. Jamison Williams. Thank you for reminding me as to his name out of sight, out of mind. But TJ Hawkinson now goes to the Vikings from the lions. We have seen flashes of greatness. They weren't using him as much this year as maybe they could. He had that one monster game, right? Incredible, right? Incredible. You put him on the field with Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen. Now look, Got a lot to do to get this guy up to speed in a new offense. Yeah, but there's not a lot of but tight ends that can do this right here. This is where he's special. He's incredible. Right. Right. He's he's got big time ability. And I, and again, I think, you know, another guy like we talked about with Bradley Chubb or Chase Claypool, and it fits the like it just fits what you guys want to do up there in Minnesota, Mike. Run the ball. Okay, he's a pretty good run blocker. He's a very good run blocker. And then he's gonna be a, a pain in the butt in the past game. I mean, he can do it all. Size, runs really well. You know, and then you couple that with your your guys' run game up there and Dalvin Cook and Thielen and Jefferson. It's just the right combination you want to have with with uh, your, your Kirk Cousins at quarterback. It really is. So, you know, kudos to Minnesota. I think that was a, a big move. It takes their offense, in my opinion, a little bit into another stratosphere here. You know, this guy's got, I, I think – top five tight end ability in the NFL and now he's in an offense that I think really fits him and uh, I would be shocked if this doesn't work out and really help out the Mike Florio Minnesota Vikings stop stop. just stop he looks like the logo too which (laughs) he does you're right right yeah yeah he had eight catches for 179 yards and two touchdowns against the Seahawks it was a game that the Lions ultimately lost 48 to 45 back on October 2nd but he was incredible that day. 
and uh, th- this is an opportunity for him. And it also closes the door on Irv Smith Jr., who had his season last year wiped out due to a knee injury. He yeah. suffered a high ankle sprain against the Cardinals out eight to ten weeks. Given that the Vikings are on the hook for a fully guaranteed $9.632 million for Hawkinson next year, there's no way they're going to bring back Irv Smith. He's going to hit free agency, and they'll backfill the position with younger, cheaper guys at tight end behind Hawkinson. But they're making the commitment. This is a, this is a foundational piece of the offense. This is the guy that Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, the new GM, and Kevin O'Connell, the new coach, want. It's, I mean, it's obvious. This is a guy they've been eyeing. This is a guy they've been coveting, and now they have him, and they pair him with Jefferson and Thielen, K.J. Osborne, a very underrated third receiver. And the offense isn't going to be any worse no, because Irv Smith hasn't done – coming into the season, ooh, Irv Smith could really pop this year in that offense, and it hasn't happened. So they make the move. And now we've seen enough from Hawkinson to know he can get it done. Again, you got it done. And I think, can, you know, I really look at him in a lot of ways and think he's got a lot of George Kittle principles, which, again, fits within this, you know, McVay, Shanahan type of scheme. There's great value there. And not only off the boots and the play actions is he going to be really good because he's a legitimate blocker, but, you know, you can he can – you can move him around. He can stand up as a slot receiver, and he's athletic enough to beat people off the line of scrimmage that way. So incredibly versatile that way. And I think just fits in the mold of, you know, the Vikings seem like they want to be, you know, two receivers, tight end, two running backs, and play traditional type of football. And if you're going to play that style of football, this is the type of guy that, you know, really fits in there and makes life hard on the linebackers when you're going, oh, no, it's Dalvin Cook coming at me with the ISO. Oh, wait, they they didn't give it to him. Oh, no, there goes Hawkinson. He ran by me. It's just that's where it really works and makes a lot of sense. So uh, big move for the Vikings. It really is. I wasn't sure they were going to – it tells you how they view themselves right now and that they think they got a chance here to really be one of the, the powerhouses in the NFC. You wonder if they would have done the deal if Smith hadn't gotten injured. Yeah, I hear you. Would would they have would right. they have pulled this trigger without the Smith injury? And they kept a lot of the details about the Smith injury under wraps to keep the price down. There was less of a sense of desperation of oh crap, the Vikings need to add a tight end on deadline day. And it wasn't a huge investment. It's a flip-flopping of picks and uh you know, we'll see how it goes. This was partially the Lions selling off $9.6 million in cash and That's cap what it was, right? For a guy that they've decided, moving forward, they're ready to move on. I'm surprised they came to that I decision. I am, too. But it's, it's, it's the Lions. I'm sorry, but it's, you know, Lions fans were complaining yesterday, and I tweeted, hey, look, the one common thread for this team back to 1963 is ownership by one family. And dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things, and dysfunctional teams have dysfunctional owners. And they never get called out for it. They never get criticized for it. They never do anything that's so over the top that attracts widespread ridicule and scrutiny. But I'm sorry, from William Clay Ford to his widow to their daughter, it's just not working. And at one point, Bill Ford, the son, was part of it and was trying to take over, and he got fired, essentially kicked out of the operation by the family at some point. And what can you do as a fan? What can you really do? We saw the revolt with Matt Millen. That was the one time when it started to really coalesce yeah. that maybe they should just sell the damn team. But you're shouting into a void when you want 
ownership to sell. Because you know what? Even though ownership may not be winning enough games for your liking, it still continues to be a kick-ass investment. With all the money that is shared via the TV revenue and all the other revenue that gets carved up among 32 teams, who cares if nobody's at the games? We're still making money. They are. And it's, yep. it's, hard, it's hard to convince any owner to part ways with that investment until they, they just get to a point where they, they just think they're wasting their time. But after 60 years, you would think <laughs> the Fords would have gotten to this point a long time ago. So, I know. Lions fans, and, and every reboot, we get excited for the Lions. Every time. You know, oh, they're bringing in Matt Patricia. They're going to do it the Patriot way. Well, that didn't work. Uh, oh, I, oh, oh, well, Dan Campbell, this kneecap-biting, rough-and-tumble, Chris Spielman, that's going to work. That's not working. Before that, Jim Caldwell was working. That's the thing. When they periodically stumble into a situation that works, they don't know enough to keep it going. Yeah. It's, I, I, I feel I, bad I feel, for Lions I feel bored, too. They love football up there. We know that. I mean, that, that's it's a rabid fan base. I mean, it is in college. It is for the pros. And I, I feel for it. I do. Detroit, it's a great sports town. And, and honestly, I want it to work. It's the Ford family and it's Detroit. It just seems like it should work and make sense. Uh, there's so many things there. You know me, Mike. First thing I want to do is go, let's rebrand. Let's change the uniforms, all right? Let's give it a whole new look. I think go it might be time. Go back to the 70s. Do something. Go back to the 70s. They Get rid change of the stylized, goofy-looking line. Go back. Embrace a traditional Look, I agree with you. Yeah. Or take the just, logo off altogether. Exactly. Wear those silver helmets. When they showed up on Thanksgiving with yes. the silver helmets. Exactly. I, so I, I'm with you, Mike. I, and then again, with this move, too, it's also just it's a little bit like, yeah, you, you wonder where they're going. That's what I thought. Just like, wow, this is one of the better players on their team. I'm, I'm kind of surprised they're letting this guy go. But, I, I, you know, I know they got some offensive linemen that maybe are on the radar to where they got to pay. You know, they do have two good tight ends behind him to where maybe they looked at it to go, wait, we think we got guys here that, you know, maybe aren't as good as him, but uh, can, can at least, you know, we're not like, oh, wow, what a drop-off between Wright and, and uh, the kid James Mitchell, out of, who I love coming out of Virginia Tech. He, he's really talented. I think maybe that's part of it. And then, Mike, I also, like you said, the, the money off the, the, the books – knowing they might have to pay him a big-time contract. And they're a team that, I mean, come on. Uh, they got to spend some freaking money this offseason. They got to. You, know, you watch Detroit. I watched that tape yesterday, and I just sit there again. I find myself going, yeah, their defense and the coaching, it's not great. But, you know, which one of these players is really supposed to do something? Who, who is it? Who's really that good that you think is going to slow down Tyree Kill or Waddle? Or, or make a play in the backfield other than Aiden Hutchinson. Now, there's nothing there. There's nothing. So that's where you look at it, too, and go, yeah, they, they, hopefully they're doing this because they're going to splurge this offseason and start getting some players in there, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that can help their team out. You wonder whether or not that splurge will be preceded by a new head coach. Will yeah. Brad Holmes stay as the GM? Will Chris Spielman remain in this position of high influence and trust I assume that Chris Spielman would stay I think it's going to be hard for Spielman to fire Dan Campbell I think back to talking to Rick Spielman Chris's brother about this after the 2021 draft and I I think it all came up because I asked if the Vikings get a dispensation from any kneecap biting since Chris and Rick are brothers because that was the Dan Campbell catchphrase from his introductory press conference and Rick said to me 
When my wife saw that press conference, she said that is exactly the guy Chris would hire to be a head coach. So, you know, the Spielman mindset oozes out of Dan Campbell. That's what makes makes it harder to handicap whether or not the Lions will give up on Dan Campbell after only two years. But he's only won four games in two seasons so far. And the Lions are the Lions again. And And this is why. This is why. Owners don't want to push out Daniel Snyder. They like having bad teams with bad owners in their midst. You can cross off that team. You know you got to win anytime they pop up on your schedule. The good owners love having some of these dysfunctional teams around, and the Lions continue to be dysfunctional. One more thing about the Packers. Yeah. I, I, saw, I saw a great meme yesterday of the Charlie Brown Halloween trick-or-treating scene where after every house they go to, Charlie looks in his bag and he got a rock. <laughs> and, and, and the kids are saying, and one of them has the Viking logo, I got TJ Hawkinson, another kid with the Bears logo, I got Chase Claypool, and then Charlie Brown with the Packers logo, I got a rock. Aaron Rodgers, you got a rock. At the trade deadline. That, uh, listen, you know, again, we can, we can talk about Aaron Rodgers and, you know, has is, is there been some things that I, I disagree with his approach or things he said, you know, over the last year, and year and a half? I certainly can. But what we can't disagree with is there's two things for sure. He's awesome. He's definitely one of the all-time greats. He's, he's, he's you know, uh, the elite of the elites. There's no doubt. And he is that with an organization that, Really has done their best to not give him top end talent in a lot of a lot of his career, and not make it about him. And they drop the ball. And I don't think anybody can realistically look at it and think a whole lot different there. And even with this again, with the Devonte Adams, like you've explained a million times, how they ever let him out the door and even get to the point where they were at, any of it, you know, let alone never making a big move down the stretch. I mean, we see all these teams do it all the time, every year, and they never get anything on either side of the ball. And that's where, you know, that's where I'll always feel bad for Aaron Rodgers from that sense is that, you know, it just, it, it, I, I will, it goes back to the lack of the owner and the guy that just, uh, there's no guy in the, the building there to go, let's go all in or let's do this or I'll make it work financially. Don't worry, let's do it. And, and to me, that's the big issue there. And that's where I do feel for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and anytime we say that, Packers fans say, well, you don't want a meddling owner. No, you don't want a meddling owner, but you want an owner who finds the sweet spot between meddling and supporting and applying the red-hot poker from time to time of accountability that gets people to do things that they need to do or that is in position to give the green light to a GM who otherwise may be wondering, do I really go out on a limb here or do I just stick with the status quo? And, you know... It came to a head in 2021 with Aaron Rodgers. The fact that they never listen to him, they never seek his input, they don't bring in guys to help him. I thought it was going to change, but, and I, I said this on a day when I was feeling particularly spry, maybe Aaron isn't as smart as everyone thinks he is, including himself, and maybe they've outsmarted him where all they have to do is placate him a little bit, let him think he's got a voice, let him think they're actually listening to what he has to say, but then ultimately ignore it and not do anything. Like, they bring back Randall Cobb after he was almost going to retire. 50-50. Remember going into the weekend when camp opened in 2021, they took all the prop bets off the board. Yeah. The sports books got freaked out 
because there was a rumor that Aaron Rodgers was going to retire, and he was serious about it. They bring back Randall Cobb, and everything's fine, and then they just ignore him after that. OBJ's available. They make some half-assed effort to get him, and it's good enough for Aaron Rodgers. Well, they tried. Well, did they really try with a minimum salary contract offer and no effort to mobilize players and coaches to go say everything that the Rams did to get him to come to town? No, and and this this stuff that went on yesterday. I mean, how hard did they really try to get Chase Claypool? Did they even consider getting T.J. Hawkinson? I know they got Aaron's buddy and Bobby Tanyan, but uh, come on, it's T.J. Hawkinson. And, you know, other guys were available. Brandon Cooks was available, and I know he had a challenging contract situation, but I don't get the impression that they really are trying. They're doing just enough to make him think they are, but they're not really trying to put the help around him that they need. And Chris, it comes back to the point you made when you don't have an owner who is who is the impetus for those kinds of moves in many cases. They're just not going to happen. No, no, exactly right. And they always seem to be a little bit strapped in the salary cap department too where they can never make the move to and, and just give enough money. And not like you said, it's not big-time money a lot of the times with, with these type of moves. Odell last year. You know, Stefan Gilmore, other ones that have been years before. Those are just two from last year that I remember. So uh, that's where, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, they, I don't they get it. They just can't break from the Ron Wolf, Ted Thompson, between the buoys, draft and development, draft and development, draft and development. That's their shtick. That's their thing. That's their, you know, their their jacket from 1980 that that worked then and it still works now, even though it doesn't. You have to augment your team with surgical decisions, not reckless, but calculated to bring in established veteran talent in lieu of lottery tickets to push you over the top. Now, this year it doesn't matter. They're, they're three and five. But we've never seen that. No, never. Under the Aaron Rodgers tenure in Green Bay. They're, they're content to be just good enough to keep everybody gainfully employed. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Packers and Packers fans, for calling it like it is. Without an owner who can roll out of bed any given day and go fire some people, you're not going to reach for the brass ring. Now, some of those teams, you fall off the horse, but at least you're trying to get the brass ring. I don't feel like the Packers. They, they get a franchise quarterback, and they're just content. They're content to be... 13-3, and three, which isn't bad, no. content to lose in the playoffs and do it all over again. There isn't that, you know, you talk about the Bills being on a mission this year. Why aren't the Packers, why isn't there a feeling the Packers are on a mission? Yeah. Why didn't it feel that way in 2020, right. 2021? Right. I don't know. Is it because they already have a trophy room full of Lombardis? I don't know. But there's an urgency from the Bills that the Packers don't show. Yeah, even the Chiefs. I and mean, it, there's a lot of teams there. Exactly. Yeah. And the Chiefs and the Chiefs won one within the past couple of years, but there isn't that sense that we're going to go get it. The Rams. Right. We're going to go get it. The Packers never bring that to the table. We're going to go get it. Um, so, no. I, again, Packers fans, I'm sorry. You should, you know, instead of getting pissed at us, you should say, you know what, those dumbasses are right. Well, yeah, those Why don't we go get it? Right. I mean, again, the teams that are, you know, the 49ers – the, the Rams, the Eagles, I mean, the last few years, just think about it. It, it. Is there a trade that goes down where you almost don't you, – do you ever not hear their name involved in it? Oh, the, the, the 49ers were – they were interested. The Rams were interested. 
Oh, Howie Roseman and the Eagles were interested. They were obviously their team. I mean, they're all, it's always trying to make a play there. So there's a lot to respect about Green Bay. The process you talk about, Ron Wolf and all that, hey, it's, it's great. It's real. There's no doubt about that. But, yes, that, that other human element of like, okay, let's break out of our process and do something here and make a move, that, that's the part that they, yeah, never seem to go all in on. And that's where, you know, again – we can all talk about Aaron Rodgers all we want. We know he's great, and they haven't supported him the best way. And that, I don't think you can even argue that point. Tactical decisions to acquire proven commodities. The Chase Claypool move. The TJ Hawkinson move. Forget about scratching off the lottery ticket. Irv Smith Jr. was a second-round pick for the Vikings, and it just didn't work. Now you get a guy without major investment of draft pick capital, just cash, who has shown he can get it done. Claypool, a guy who shows real potential, instead of rolling the dice on a second-round receiver. There's value in that. But the Packers are so committed to their approach, and it's extended through to Brian Gutekunst. It's just part of who they are, which is fine, but it's not great. It's not going to put you in the conversation for best teams in the NFL that have a legitimate shot at winning a Super Bowl. They've got one to show for their time with Rodgers. They've got one to show for their time with Brett Favre. Over 30 years, yeah. to only have two yeah. is a disappointment. It's a disappointment. It is. And, and it, it does, to me, come down to that. You know, they've, they've been beaten by teams and in the playoffs and ever. And you look at it and go, well, I didn't feel like they're outcoached or, you know, in a lot of ways there's a lot of things to like. The difference in the field, the, every time I've seen them lose one of these playoffs, it's just – one team has more Jimmys and Joes than they do. Tampa, just more playmakers in the NFC Championship game. Rodgers outplayed Tom Brady. Epic meltdown in the third and fourth quarter by Tom Brady. He got to go to the Super Bowl. Why? Because his team had a bunch of super freaks on it. They hit hitting Aaron Jones, making him fumble, great interceptions, pressure on Rodgers, guys running by their DBs. The 49ers, the same thing. I mean, we talked to Zaria Smith, right? I don't know what happened to us after that their, their first NFC championship whooping by the 49ers. I could tell you what happened. The 49ers got freaks all over the field. They do. You guys have like a sprinkle of freaks here and there, but you can't mess with it. And that's the same thing last year. There they were. Maybe it was a little more equal, but, you know, the 49ers just have a few guys that can make plays and big moments to change the game. And the Rams, that's what they did last year. Hey, we're good, but we need one or two more dudes to make a play for us in a big moment to get us over the hump. It can't always be Aaron Rodgers audibling to the perfect play and, oh, we're perfect here and we've coached it up just the right way. Like we've talked about a lot. I've only seen one team that can really play that way and win Super Bowls consistently. That was the Patriots. Everybody else needs some guys to make some plays and take pressure off of the scheme and the execution all the time. And that's where there's definitely a difference between the teams that are going to the Super Bowl and the Packers. As we go to break, fresh into the email box from our friend, maybe I'm saying that sarcastically, I can't really tell, Justin, you can't help yourself. No matter the subject, you revert it back to Aaron Rodgers. Wow. <laughs> and to borrow the phrase that Chris Collinsworth has developed over the years, whenever he's accused of members of a given fan base, why do you hate the Giants? Why do you hate the Dolphins? Why do you hate the Packers? Why do you hate the Cardinals? I just do. That's why. <laughs> that's, the, that's the perfect response for any such criticism. Let's take a break. Calvin Ridley, a name that many had forgotten, 
back in the game. Not really yet, but definitely on the move. We'll discuss that when this Wednesday edition of PFT Live presented by Google Pixel continues right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.